0: going to sleep. Not not in the same room or bed no, or nothing. Because no, no, no. that's just creepy and weird. But, it took a turn. Yeah. Um, I always will take a weird turn. I don't mean to, but you know. Do what? Yeah. You know, I'm just going to sit and drink my coffee while John just goes ahead and finishes out his comment about <laughs> his Friday. Welcome to the Nerd Brand Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Davis, and I'm here with you. Gregory, our creative director, co-founder Nerdbrand. I'm also with our co-founder and Cxo Don Payne, and the and today's guest is Dr. Manuel Probst. Probst sorry. <laughs> it's Friday. It's Friday. More coffee. Yep, we know. Um, we <laughs> he brings he counsels brands on how to grow and maintain a sustainable competitive advantage. Uh, in his book Brand Hacks, he explains how to build brands by fulfilling people's quest for meaning. And so we appreciate you, sir, for being a guest on the show. Uh, Please take the floor for a bit, introduce yourself, tell the people about you, and, you know, tell us about the book maybe a little bit.
1: Well, first and foremost, everyone, thank you so much for having me, and thank you to our listeners. Uh, It's a great pleasure to be with you all this morning. And as you said, my name is Emmanuel Probst, and my passion is to, one, understand why consumers do what they do, how do they go about making all those decisions? And from there, counsel brands, as you said, on building a sustainable competitive advantage. That is to make sure that brands grow in a ethical and sustainable fashion, and increase loyalty over time as well. Make sure that consumers uh, become loyal to these brands.
0: Okay, hey, awesome.
1: And how do I do that? As mm-hmm. you said. Uh, I'm with Ipsos as the global lead for brand thought leadership, and Ipsos is arguably the largest market research firm in the world now. And I also teach at UCLA, and I write, and uh, you spoke about my book, Brand Hacks, which is indeed uh, the point of what we covered. It's all about counseling people on how to grow brands um, in a cost-efficient and very effective fashion.
0: All right. I think one of the first questions, John, you put on, or maybe I wrote this one on there, is uh, if you could flesh out, like, what do you mean by, um, in in regards to brands, like the quest for meaning?
1: Well, in the book, I differentiate a fad from a trend from a a meaning. So let's take a a quick step back. A fad Mm -hmm. is something that is not going to last. So diets, for example, most diets are fads. Why? Because it's unlikely that you would want to eat um just steam vegetables for the rest of your life right that's why people don't stick with diets because it's just not um a long-term project and then the trend is something that has an influence on the market so crossfit is a trend or pilates is a trend um or those are trends whereby you have brick and mortar businesses or pretty large business operations developing around this trend so it might work for five years seven years nine years who knows and uh, meaning however is something that is almost timeless it is something that is fulfilling and that has more of an impact on who you are and who you want to be so in the book we give i give 10 examples of meanings and Uh, Some of those examples are authenticity and nostalgia and uh, travel and adventure. All these are things, again, that are pretty much evergreens, whereby they were important before the pandemic. And they're even more so important today, and they are not going away anytime soon.
0: Yeah, uh, we've talked a lot about on our show about being authentic and, of course, nostalgia as well, being, mm-hmm. you know, fans of nerddom. Um, I think with Super Bowl, the Super Bowl hasn't happened yet. You can no, tell that that it's I'm it's you can tell a sports fan. Weekend. Yeah, you can tell I'm a sports fan, sports Maybe. ball. Maybe. Depends on when this comes out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, I always like the commercials that sort of lean into the nostalgia just because of that, um, you know, anything related to I grew up in the later eighties, actually, I was born in seventy six, so I was around for you know a lot of the like the toy market with He Man and and all of those. So anytime there is sort of like a lean into that or references, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of always like oh, I remember that and that's cool. <laughs> it kind of gets me to pay attention.
2: Well, yeah. I think that's the value of nostalgia is with depending on the audiences, nostalgia is what's going to help make that message stick because it resonates with something that's connected in their memory already.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, Emmanuel, do, do you have any examples like current today or, or recent that people can really latch onto of how to break these things down uh, really just between a trend and a meaning or even a fad that's yeah. going on currently?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'll, I'll build on uh, nostalgia, what, what we heard from Mitch. Um, what's interesting with nostalgia is it works with both younger and older audiences. Here's what I mean. Neon is a great example. Neon is a very old technology. It's very simple. It's gas, light and electricity. And neon works with your older audiences, if you will, of boomers and, excuse me, and Gen X, because we remember those neon signs from our childhood. Mm -hmm. But it also works with your younger audience groups. So 35 years old and younger, meaning millennials and and Gen Z, because neon is very Instagrammable, to use an expression that is trendy. It really um, is very bright on an Instagram picture. And interestingly, consumers, even when they're young, like to reminisce of a time that was reassuring and comforting, even though they may not have lived through that time. Interesting. so interesting. at UCLA for example you see many of my students wearing t-shirts from Pulp Fiction or Guns N' Roses or Nirvana mm-hmm. and all these are symbols from what the 90s if you will Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction They're, I think came yeah. out in 94 their parents' so generation. basically yeah so none of my students were born when when the movie came out and that's the appeal of nostalgia so I I, I feel uh Jonathan, to address your question, I think that's really a a good example of how something that's meaningful, fulfilling for you, such as nostalgia, because it takes you back to a time that is comforting and reassuring in this world that is a little bit crazy, not only because of a pandemic, (laughs) but because of technology and AR and VR and the metaverse and all those things. Uh, That is something that's meaningful, meaningful, that is anchoring for you Mm -hmm. as an individual and as a consumer.
2: It's kind of interesting, Doctor Props, uh, talking about you know the value of nostalgia <clears throat> because it, it provides that kind of that comfort and reassurance, even for even for the generations that latch onto that nostalgia that weren't there for that. Um, given the kind of the, the the times we're in and the things you were talking about, the stressors, if you will, that um, that people seem to be experiencing, not just but like you said, because of the pandemic, just because the nature of, of the digital life everyone lives now. Um, Where does it, where does it go next? I mean, what, what, what is the next, what are other ways that you can, in with all that cacophony of noise that you can provide that reassurance and that, that comfort to audience? What are other, I mean, is there anything besides nostalgia that does that?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we see some, meaningful trends in food and beverages, for example, whereby people go back to not only organic food, but food that is sourced sustainably and local growers as well. So we're going back to farmers markets and we are becoming more concerned about uh, not sourcing food from the other side of the world. Uh, So the question was, where does this all go? And my answer is, on one hand, technology is going to accelerate, and it is becoming more and more compelling, yet more and more threatening, and creates some anxieties for us. That's the metaverse, that's machine learning, that's virtual reality, all those technologies sound very exciting, yet... Is my job going to be replaced by a machine? That's what people think. For example, uh, am I going to socialize with people in the metaverse instead of meeting with my buddies on Friday <laughs> night? Do I really want that? <laughs> so, wow. so no, we'll right? wow. so, it's coming no, whether you like cool. it or not. <laughs> it's coming whether you like it or not. You're right. So the technology is becoming Uh, more compelling and exciting. At the same time, it creates some anxieties for all of us. Therefore, we, while adopting those new technologies, go back to things that are simple and more meaningful. And we see this with nostalgia. We can talk about authenticity. And you see this in advertising. You see this with... um, models in advertising whereby you no longer see perfect well you do but many brands have walked away from perfect models Mm -hmm. like victoria's secret for example and you want to see models you can relate to people that look like real people less photoshop less makeup and more real body shapes if you will So that's all to say that we are on this quest of something that is real, that is meaningful, and that sounds true. Right before the break, we were talking about food and beverages, whereby we see tremendous growth in organic food, in food that is locally sourced, in food that is more sustainable, here again, because we are going back to something that is true, Something that feels authentic, and not overly engineered, and not necessarily perfect. Mm
2: -hmm. And what what I find interesting about all this is, I mean, for decades, advertising spoke to the aspirations. Mm -hmm. To to the it it spoke to the the um, I I said aspiration, but it it spoke to that 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 destination that people wanted to reach. So it was in in some ways it was optimistic in, in that respect. It it's almost like advertising is pulling away from talking about where you want to go, more about where you are mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. And I find that a fascinating element in all of this. Um and, and if if you're no longer if you're no longer giving a message to people about where what they can be, where they can go, what they can achieve versus mm-hmm. being in the moment well, what do you do <laughs> <laughs> i mean how much can you say <laughs> it uh, is 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 kind of the it's, it's an it's an open question I, just, uh, yeah.
3: I mean when when he was talking uh about the move away from kind of perfect models and things like that, I think of old navy. And I, I didn't really pay attention to their previous advertising and commercials, but now it's all you know. It shows the whole family, right? Shows a, a typical family, shows kids and the parents and their shopping experience and things like that. So that I don't know that that kind of falls in for me. This comfortable, approachable mm-hmm. type of brand, mm-hmm. and I you know, I can't think of any examples offhand other than that, but yeah. I, I definitely see that trend.
0: I think years ago I was you know when. I think millennials were first coined as millennials. There is a ton of studies on like in advertising market, like how do you relate to them? What they mm-hmm. want. And even in like religion, they want to give money and time and energy towards something they physically will actually feel like they're a part of and own and see that change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's, you know, that was in 2007 or eight when mm-hmm. I was seeing it, we were discussing this. And it's really funny. Here we are in 2022 and, you know, now it's w- really broad um, because like, John, you mentioned like uh, on, you know, one of the bullet points, you're like eco friendly branding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of that now. There's a lot of that consciousness of like, you are something you can grab as the normal person and participate with while still <laughs> the brand is still selling you their product.
2: Right. right. Yeah, yeah. You're sorry. not only acquiring something you, you want or need, but you're, in some fashion, you're contributing to the greater good. Mm-hmm. Right,
0: right. Yeah, and so the real people, because the other thing I was thinking about when they were using real models that you were mentioning, I mean, I was like, well, John and I have a future in models. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's not get crazy here. John more than me, probably. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. See?
3: Yeah, I mean, the the eco-friendly one, the, that example is, is interesting, because that was, yeah, I feel like, that really came to to power when I was in college. And maybe that's just when I started paying attention, but I think it really started to to trend in that direction. And the whole topic of social responsibility kind of came back up in a lot of my classes, even in finance. Like, does does social responsibility matter? Um, does anybody actually really buy things because that company is being socially responsible? And I I remember talking about that. And then the, the example in particular is, Now it's just becoming really mainstream. Every brand must be eco friendly must be socially responsible in that context. And you you see these brands move away from, like I said, the the earthy tones and trying to appear, you know, earth like or Mm -hmm. or earth friendly. Now they're just Mm -hmm. modern, you know, modern design brands who have a an eco friendly message or, you know, production method or whatever it may be.
2: Uh, Dr. Probst, let me let me ask you if is there is there a a, a risk with with brands kind of trying too hard to lean into like Jonathan's talking about the uh, the socially conscious you know ecologically conscious message is, is there a danger in in where you you try so hard to appeal to that that sensibility that you kind of lose track of who you're brand is and maybe why people gravitate toward that?
1: Uh, Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So the first yes is because the difference between now and two years ago is brands can no longer just claim a purpose. They have to demonstrate it. So it's no longer good enough to have that bumper sticker statement. Mm -hmm. You have to prove that you can do this. The second thing, is, it's very hard for brands to truly be sustainable, simply because you control marketing, kind of, you control the messaging, kind of, you control, hopefully, the packaging of the product. Uh, For most brands, you don't control the supply chain, right? In other words, it's one thing to say you're in DTC, and you're going to come up with something that people can recycle, You, however, don't own the truck and the plane and the warehouse Mm -hmm. and everything that goes between production and the consumer. Also, sustainability is a tricky one because people believe we see this at Ipsos in our studies, people believe that they are doing something that's good, but sadly it has a very small impact. I'll give you an example, recycling. We feel good about recycling packaging Mm -hmm. and we feel we're doing the right thing for the environment, which we are, but that's 4% of the problem. The bulk of it is flights, uh, long haul flights, for example, or having a car. Mm -hmm. And of course, most of us, at least I'm not willing to give up my car and I'm not willing to (laughs) give up flying. So that's all to say that sustainability is is really a tricky one. And absolutely, there is a risk of brands trying too hard. We saw some examples, and that's really this brand purpose buzzword that is relevant to some brands. Some brands are built around a purpose, and I'd say National Geographic or REI or Patagonia, mm-hmm. those are very purposeful brands. But then some brands... Are are not built around a purpose, and that's just fine. Uh, if you buy mayonnaise, there was an article in Marketing Week a few days ago. Hey, you're laughing. You must have read it. But <laughs> Hellman's Mayonnaise, what's the purpose of that brand? Well, the purpose is sandwiches and hot dogs, right? right. Oh, yeah. And that's perfect. <laughs> that's how we want it to be. That We're not expecting that brand to deliver a higher purpose than that.
2: Right, so it's, so it's, so it's, so, it's, so the so the risk there is is for some brands is to is to overreach in that they're they're moving outside of the purpose of what people really expect or desire mm-hmm. from that brand, right. and this all and it all goes back to something we've we, a word we use over and over again is, is authenticity. Mm-hmm. Just be real, yeah. people. People, I think as much as people yeah. want to know that you're not trashing the environment and you're socially conscious uh, and that you care about people. They really want your brand, your product or service to perform in a way that they need it to.
0: Right. Yeah. When I eat a pizza, I'm never thinking like, "Is it the box Recyclable? <laughs> materials?" <laughs> you know, I'm just like, "It's pizza." <laughs> yeah. I think some brands, <laughs> like I mean, <laughs> exactly
3: brands like REI and Patagonia, it, it makes it makes very logical sense that they take the stances that they do in publicly and publicly and as strongly as they do, for one it's, it's in their best financial interests and the interest of their shareholders to protect public lands and and protect the environment so that their customers literally can enjoy those things.
2: It's, it's not to not to use a pun, but it's organic to the brand, Mm -hmm. to the brand. It it, it would be weird if they didn't do it.
1: Right. (laughs) Right. And those, those brands have it easy because they were built around the purpose of sustainability, uh, I'm, I'm taking an extreme. An airport is very hard for an airline or an airport to deliver a message of sustainability that's going mm-hmm. to resonate with the audience because by nature, an airport is a big nest of pollution, if you will. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Everybody's going to be like, I'm never flying again now. <laughs> yeah, anyway. I'll go back
1: maybe um, to authenticity for a second because that's a, a word that, came up three, four times since we started this conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I agree with you three. Authenticity is so important. And as we're all getting ready for the big game on Sunday, a good example, I feel, of authenticity is Budweiser. And here's my point. They released the WhatsApp commercial in 1999. And at the time, we didn't have all the technology that we have today. We we barely had, cell, we didn't really even have cell phones. Mm-hmm. And remember, the message was so simple. What's up? Mm-hmm. Just nothing like watching the game, having a bird. And right. those are guys just connecting. It's a social experience of folks from very different cultures, very dif- different ethnic backgrounds and maybe educational backgrounds, connecting what they're doing. They're just... Watching the game, having a bed. You fast track a year ago, we released this commercial for the time we experienced during the pandemic. And it's pretty much the same commercial. That's a great example of meaning and authenticity in advertising because we can talk all day long about the metaverse. The bottom line is we're all hooked on a commercial that first aired uh, 23 years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: That's amazing. Uh, I've, well, I've always felt like when it comes to advertising commercials, the era that I've always liked because I've not always been in advertising. Uh, unlike Mitch, who refers to himself as the elder statesman at the <laughs> table, um, you know, I got in at like two thousand eight nine. But when I look back, I you know the late nineties and early aughts were the I liked what was coming out. It was fun. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, I, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, I go as far back as in the eighties. I mean, if every I think from the eighties, to some degree up to today, has been a bit of a golden age for, I mean, uh, for for advertising. I mean, it's just the the amount of creativity that's been that's been leveraged and brought to the table. I mean, you guys have heard me talk about the value of humor mm-hmm. in, in advertising, and it's not for everyone. I mean, I mean, for some, I mean, for some brands it would be a reach to an, an inject. Humor, entertainment value into their into their marketing.
0: Oh, I know. I've tried dad jokes in some meetings, and that just didn't go well.
2: <laughs> but I mean, you go as far back as I mean, probably the, the first real memorable Super Bowl ads were the were the Miller Light commercials. It wasn't Bud; it was Miller Light, and they used all these different uh, these myriad uh, personalities from sports, entertainment, um, that kind of, and they put them in these little situations. That sort of revolved around the beer, but not necessarily. And there was like always some kind of punchline to it, and the entertainment people really were discovering the entertainment value of, of advertising. And mm-hmm. that's the modern phenomenon of watching the Super Bowl. Some people just watch for the ads now. Oh yeah, for that entertainment okay. value. And the, the the question in my mind, being a, as a as a creative director, is that's all well and good. And Jonathan, you sent me that ad. Mm-hmm. You sent that ad the other night, last night, um, for ClickUp. Mm-hmm. Which is it it's hilarious. The only question I came away with it is at the end of the day, an hour from now, if I ask you about it, what brand was that? Mm-hmm. That's number one. Number two, what do they do? Right. Yeah. And if 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 you've if you've entertained, and I think this bleeds into the other messages that Dr. Pro is talking about the people want the authenticity you know, you know, eco friendly and all all the other things. People want that. But at the end of the day, going back to mayonnaise. I just want to know. They've if it's got good. a
3: problem, and they they need it resolved. Yeah, I've got a
2: problem. I need it fixed.
0: Yeah, I'm not thinking about it that hard. I think a lot of them are trying too hard, sometimes. And then they kind of try even harder. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like back up and go like, guys, listen, we make mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: uh. I mean I, that's i mean I, and it, I, I don't know if this answers a question or poses any new questions to for the forum, but it was just it's, it's one of the things that's fascinated me for a long time it's like i i love i love how the entertainment value can create mem- mem- makes it memorable mm-hmm. I, I like that but and and I've seen this so many times as you people ask, yeah, you talk after the fact, what commercial did you like? I liked this mm-hmm. one what product was it? you know I don't remember
1: right oh for sure. And I don't
3: think that's a problem of just Super Bowl ads. No, that's you know, that's ad recall and a thing that most people should should monitor if they're running commercials of that nature.
0: Yeah, I remember the don't see it anymore or much. You know, perfume commercials would always start out very very artsy and you're like, What is this for? And you were just completely just not engaged. Uh-huh. You right. Get a little lost. Yeah, gets but, a, little,
2: yeah. a little esoteric. Is that the right word? Yeah. So um, yeah,
0: you get too far away from what you do and what you're trying to advertise, and you make the message more than that. Yeah. yeah it's
2: well, something yeah. like a scent, something a smell, mm-hmm. is a hard thing to convey visually. Right. <laughs>
3: yeah. 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 I think the other thing with with Super Bowl commercials that I'm not, that's changed over the last you know eight years, uh, is the fact that we saw that commercial last night for ClickUp. Well before the Super Bowl. Yep. And that, that's really kind of taking some of the anticipation. Yeah. yeah. And they do it on, I mean, it was released by the brand, and I get it. I mean, they're already getting engagement, and people will see right. it during the Super Bowl, perhaps remember it from seeing it on LinkedIn. I get the strategy and all that, but it takes away from that experience where you you have a large percentage of the audience watching that specifically for the commercials, mm-hmm. and that's starting to trend People are going after the game. They're actually not watching the game anymore, and they're not watching the commercials. They're going after.
2: They're on their phone, googling. The, the, yeah, the, the, the next
3: commercial. day they're going yeah. and looking at all the lists of the top ten commercials, and
0: that's the thing that I'm I'm sitting and watching right now. I mean, it's been going on for the last two years. It's like I admit. I think we all know from many episodes that I understand football. It's not like I don't understand it. It's just that <laughs> I just don't have an interest, you know. So. When it comes to the Super Bowl, when I go to watch the ads, I'm actually not watching the Super Bowl. I just go to YouTube the next day because right. there's I'm a bunch of content creators that are just compiling like the funniest ones, or mm-hmm. all of the ones, or the ones that suck, and that's sort of where I go. So I'm not even watching the day of, and you know the day of that that ad is playing is multi millions. Oh yeah, dollars they're paying a ton spent. of money.
2: Well, that 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 it kind of highlights two phenomenon that that are that's taking place. John, you mentioned the fact that they're 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 showing the ads well before now because mm-hmm. partially I think because they don't want to be in that cacophony that noise yeah. of all those ads they want to stand out. But to your point, they're spending a ton of money to place that ad in the Super Bowl. Is that now a vanity issue? Right. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we can say we we placed an ad in the Super Bowl. Well, I,
3: yeah, I, I think that's uh, largely the case. is yeah. they go on social media and say we've got a Super Bowl ad coming up and. And It works. You know, I look at ClickUp and I'm like, hey, they got some big money behind them. They're they're doing really good things in development, and we use them, so I'm a little biased to begin <laughs> with. But yeah, you know, that's just an example.
2: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think what we've kind of wandered back into that whole trend versus Fed thing. I mean, mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the trend with the Super Bowl ads is that aren't they're not just Super Bowl ads anymore. But at any rate, you know, I, there's a note on our on our show notes talking about consumer rights and privacy. And one of the things I'm marveling at, Dr. Probst, is the, is meta, is the metaverse thing, mm-hmm. the the virtual reality thing, and I, I maybe I'm just a bit on the skeptical side of how how that's going, how long that'll hold. Um, it's not the
0: first time. It's actually. It's not. Yeah, because it's not know. the
2: first time. It's it it's been it's kind of been tried. Tempted. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, was it Oculus? what do you call it? The virtual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right, Oculus Rift mm-hmm. has been around for a while and it's still, you still, the, 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 the mainstream game platforms are still, you know, mm-hmm. still kicking it, its butt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, what do you, how do you feel about that whole trend? Dr. Probst is it? it am I not seeing it correctly? Is this something that's really going to have legs?
1: So, I'll start you you mentioned privacy and security. What we see is people are concerned with more data being collected from them. However, <coughs> excuse me, people are willing to share data in return for a tangible benefit to them. And there is a a clear contrast between data shared versus data being collected. Mm -hmm. Put it this way, if you go to the store today and ask for your email address, it's unlikely that you're going to be willing to share uh, your email address with the store. Yet, your cell phone, if you have an Android, collects 1,300 data points a day (laughs) about you. Right. And if you have an iPhone, it's about 430 data points a day. Mm -hmm. And that's just to illustrate what I just said. In return for tangible benefits, for example, if you use Google Maps or Apple Maps, you are willing to share your location details. And over time, you are just fine having those companies building up your profile so that in the morning, they are going to share addresses of breakfast restaurants around you and in the evening if you like italian food they'll prioritize <laughs> italian restaurants right. around you so that illustrates how you're willing to give up some of your privacy in return for a benefit right. next you ask me about the metaverse right. uh, i feel number one the device itself it's complicated That's a big difference with facebook when we all first started on facebook you could understand the benefit of joining facebook from a user standpoint within the first five to seven minutes that device looks clunky what raises the flag to me is my kids don't want it Mm because the fact that the four of us look we're all about the same age kind of the fact that the four of us are not willing to hang around with a device on our head that's one thing <laughs> but my but my sons are 13 and 15 and they're saying first off you cannot keep they tried it you cannot keep the device on your head for any more than 20 minutes or else mm. you feel like throwing up
2: that, that, that's me that's that's why i can't use it <laughs> right. i get motion sick
1: so the last big question mark is what does this do to our identity And here's what I mean. In real life, you're you. On social media, you're uh, often a a somewhat perfect or glamorized version of you. Mm -hmm. Um, And now step three in the metaverse, you're a completely different person. You're an avatar. (laughs) So what does this do to our personal identity project and to who we believe we are? And do we have different selves? A, a, a Mitch in the flesh, a Mitch on social media, and one on the metaverse. Are oh, those like the that. yeah, that's, three that's different mediums? <laughs> right. Yeah. So well, I
2: mean, I think we've already, already, we all have already witnessed to some degree. And I don't know if we see it in ourselves, but we certainly see it in others. The way that people are willing to express themselves, let's say on Twitter. Maybe in a way that they would not sit down in front of someone and have a conversation, mm-hmm. and then you look at the whole dynamic of what Dr. Probe's talking about that other self that's in the metaverse. That's an avatar. It's not even you re- in any real way. I mean, you. It's. It's. I mean, it's on one. Sin, in one sense, it's fascinating.
0: I think to, uh, you know, yeah, I'm, a, I, I'm sitting here and I'm laughing, so you know something's about to come out of my mouth. <laughs> out of- Hold on, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, because we want to wrap. It's a trend. But, yeah, we yeah. want to wrap up and everything. But I just had the thought because you know, Doctor Profess, you talked about there's there's the metaverse Mitch and then there's the real Mitch and then there's the <laughs> the Mitch in on social media. I think all four of us at some point, maybe about a year now, two years from now, we all need to do a Facebook post, a metaverse avatar and a real life thing of us yelling at somebody to get off our lawn and <laughs> put that out there and let people compare. <laughs> well,
2: you know, I guess to wrap, up, to wrap up the topic and wrap up it, I mean, um, do, do you think that, do you think, I mean, people crave real interaction. And I think one of the things we've seen during the pandemic is people do miss being out and being oh, yeah. social. Don't, do you think? I mean, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Doctor Probst. Do you think that's maybe one of the things working against the whole virtual reality, the virtual existence? That that's it. It kind of worked cross purposes with that, that that need and that desire.
1: Interestingly, you're familiar with CES. For years, we heard, "Oh, CES is the future. With all those technologies, we won't need to meet in person and all this." Hey, they were the first ones to nosedive when the pandemic started, because everyone wanted to go to CS in person. Nobody wanted to attend virtually. And you had uh, a vast majority of brands that canceled. This year it happened again, brands keep canceling. So the point being, those are the guys who've been telling us for five, seven, 10 years that technology <laughs> is going to replace everything and we're going to meet virtually and and look at virtual reality and all those great things. Well, at the end of the day, the leading consumer electronic show in the world, the beacon for all things technology related, are the first ones being impacted by, well, the first ones being impacted by the pandemic. Why? Because people wanted to meet in person. Mm -hmm. So I think that sums it all up. That's amazing. Yeah. Let me this go. is, fa- I could talk about this yeah. stuff forever. I mean, you love technology.
0: You want to talk about it if you're, if you have a common thing. And I've always said that, you know, people, we're tribal. We want to be around other people like us that share passions and things. I mean, that's why Comic Cons exist. Right. You know, that's, a, that's another one that if I ever got the opportunity to go to San Diego Comic Con, I'm going to go. Yep. But that may not happen until 2030. Well, but, way I'm, but I'm, but I'm probably, <laughs> but I'm probably
2: not going to, I'm probably not going to pay a fee to go, to go virtually. No, because
0: they tried it. And right. when they tried it, that didn't happen. In fact, a lot of people were like, wait, that happened? That was the reaction more than, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, people participating. So, but yeah, I, it's been a fascinating conversation. I loved having you on the show. I want to give the time here for you to kind of tell people how they can connect with you, uh, where they can get your book, um, and all those good
1: things.
2: The floor is yours. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, first and foremost, I want to thank you again for the great conversation. Pleasure meeting you uh, today. And thank you to our listeners. Really appreciate uh, you all tuning in for the show. Well, to connect with me, of course, you can buy the book. The book is Brand Hacks, and it's available on Amazon and also Barnes and Noble and uh, all good bookstores, if you will. Brand <laughs> Hacks is how to build brands by fulfilling the consumer's quest for meaning. Also, you can find many of my papers for free. You can download these papers on ipsos.com, I-P-S-O-S.com. You don't even have to share your email address. We don't even capture your information. And you can just enter my name, Emmanuel Probst, P-R-O-B-S-T, and you'll find plenty of information on privacy and security, on purpose and sustainability, on recycling, on e-commerce, on DTC, on brick and mortar retail, all those topics that we touched on today. And last but not least, you're welcome to connect with me on LinkedIn. And you can simply type Emmanuel manual and you'll find me.
0: Awesome. Beautiful when that works. Yep. After you've, you know, worked on it for quite a while. It's like when people mm-hmm. ask, like, where are you guys at on YouTube? And I'm like, just search Nerdbrand. Mm-hmm. Um, You'll find it. Yeah, you know, because we were all about like get the vanity earl. Now I'm kind of like, eh, you know what, you're searching anyway.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody's nobody's typing that in. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, but we appreciate having you on the show. We want to tell all our listeners, yes, please go check it out. If you are on YouTube. We'll try to, we're going to include those links in the description yep. below. Please be sure to like, subscribe. Uh, yeah, you know, check him out. Check out the papers. We'll put that, I'm, I'm going to go and download these things because I'm, I'm very curious. It's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, but we appreciate everybody listening. And sir, we, we are so happy that you are, have been able to join us today, even look- though that we can't really see you right now. <laughs> so I'm, you know, Robert's got an advantage in, in, in the booth that we do not have. But uh, I w-
2: I'd love to have you back sometime, Doctor Prost. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: Robert's job. It's like that's right. I'm going to make you look beautiful. Make the guest look good. Yeah, uh, but again, <laughs> we want to thank our listeners and uh, just remember out there to like, subscribe, find us at Nerdbrand Agency across the socials, and you can go to NerdbrandAgency.com/slash/podcast every Friday to catch the latest episode of this podcast, video and audio. We want to thank you again, Dr. Gross, for being on. All of our guests, our listeners out there, keeping your immune strong.